wake up and think clearly. So the topic of this meetup, hosted by Rami, was titled The Logic of Charles Sanders Pierce. It's spelled P-E-I-R-C-E, Pierce. You can learn a little bit about his deductive logic at the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. I have an article called Paris's Deductive Logic. So, I got good news for everyone. I found part two, finally. So, here it follows. Part two of two parts to complete the meetup on the logic of Charles Sanders Pierce, his deductive logic system. The discussion features Rami Katane, Mike Taylor, and Hiro Jamyang Powell. Yours truly. the first section converting right now to a recording that way we have it as a resource i thought that was a pretty good uh, opening <laughs> i think for each one of these meetings and i picked them, this up from attending um steve's sunday 9 a.m meetings he normally spends at least the first 15 minutes just doing chit chat where where people are socializing and sharing whatever they want to share so I think it better it better helps people to focus. I just let Mike in. He's joining. Mike comes in via uh, his computer with a, via a microphone. He he's currently waiting for his webcam to come in through the mail. Mm, yeah, there's a shortage of webcam. <laughs> Isn't this a great age we live in? <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I'm using a laptop and it has a built-in webcam. Hmm. Okay. And uh, in this room, the lights are off. But it's getting. But it seems to have good. Uh, good resolution in the low light. Yeah, impressive. Yeah, the the shades are down on the light on the. <laughs> oh, how come, how come Mike isn't going in? He's having a hard time joining. <laughs> maybe he typed the number wrong, or maybe he put hyphens between the numbers. Maybe you don't have to. Well, the first part came out to be eighty-eight point three megabytes in length for the Zoom underscore zero MP four. Do you store to the cloud, or do you store locally, or do you store both I'm, when you have a paid account? I'm set it, I set it up to store it in the cloud. That way I can download it from anywhere. Nice. How much is that uh, that you're paying a month? For $15? $40. $40? Oh, for the cloud storage. I've yet to pay for any cloud storage. 
Yeah. I've got a hundred gigs for free. Yeah, <laughs> my wife has a hundred gigs for free. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I'll just do it one month. I don't know. Whatever works. Drive space is cheap to own. I think they give uh, maybe only one gig or two gigs free, but then the the forty dollars gets you I don't know five hundred gigs or something I don't know. <laughs> when I worked at uh, the fastest CDN on the planet, um, they measured in terabytes I think, like the minimum you could buy was a terabyte of storage. Mm. One. <laughs> maybe they could. Uh, click on invite and try his email. Good have, idea. Do I have yeah. his email? <laughs> and I'm going to send him the link as well. Messages. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I Yeah, we were uh, prompted for a password uh, in David Norton's group Wednesday night. Were you there? Or did you join later? I had to step out 30 minutes in. Hmm. He was covering um, Antitheses, the, uh, the cynic philosopher who was uh, a fellow student of Plato's, a uh, student of, um, not of Plato's. He, was, he and Plato were both students of of uh, Socrates, but uh, Antithesis was 20 years Plato's elder, and he had already received uh, extensive uh, training from, I think, the Diogenes uh, on, on the, uh, in, in the realm of rhetoric. So, oh, wow. In, in that same Socratean way, he'll, or, he would, you know, his philosophy was built around asking questions, but his questions are so much more refined, I think. And remember, the difference between Socrates and Plato was Plato got caught in his head. <laughs> I guess it's because he had to do all this writing and all this recording of, of all these different conversations that were going on throughout his lifetime. But Socrates and, uh, and Aristotle, they felt that Philosophy was something done in conversation, open and on the fly. In fact, that was the only way to conduct it. Um, otherwise, you you run into the. I think it's it's what's led to the the concentrations of power in our world, because uh, so much of what we have is based around the idea of things such as Plato's Republic or, or Descartes. Um, people who are very much stuck in their heads and thinking that um, what, what, they, what they think is obviously the truth because it's what they think, right? It's that concentration of power and, and the world of the philosopher king 
not the philosopher who, who's talking amongst other philosophers, although that was the basis of Plato's Republic, but just a, a concentrated few set of hands. I don't, I don't think that Socrates ever specified or, or generalized or honed down into, into uh, singular or oligarchic groups. But if, if, if we have a society or a, a system of governments which, which is lossy, meaning it works for few but not all, I think you can trace it right back down to people like Plato. At least, and that's not even my idea, that's, that's from studying Hannah Arendt, uh, which, was, which was a lot of fun. I don't know if you got to join us for any of those sessions. We did a couple of them earlier this year. What sessions? Uh, we did two sessions. Oh, there he is. Okay. Hannah Arendt, I was just saying. No. And Mike, your mic is muted. Well, you can you can request to, to him to unmute, but until he clicks to actually unmute it, he, his mic will not become unmuted. There we are. Okay, can you hear me? We can now. Okay, good. I don't know if that became muted. <laughs> well, that was a good first section. Uh, we we uh, we can take this uh, as short as the two of you want to take it, but we have to end within eighty minutes. All right. We don't have enough time to, to solve all the world's problems. We're we're not here to solve all the world's problems. We're just here to advance our own understandings a little bit. But if we well, we can take an extra fifteen minutes. Purses, <laughs> logic, <laughs> then it will solve all world's problems. Hardly. Uh, uh, by, by the way, in, yes. in connection with uh, the announced theme, um, you the the writings of uh, Peirce and um, Piano and Google uh, represent kind of a transition point where where people were changing from thinking about in terms of the, of the logic of Aristotle to thinking of how they could mathematize logic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there was probably a great deal of uncertainty as to which directions were the right directions to go in because there were certainly varieties of logic that were looked at that um, were, were quite a bit different uh, from what we think of as standard classical logic. There were, I know, modal logics in which you had as basic ideas things like necessity rather than uh, necessarily and or, or material conditional. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this sort of investigation, this question of just how do you put logic into some sort of careful mathematical terms is still being looked at because I know 
that, for example, there are things called paralogics in which it is quite acceptable to have statements which are both true and false at the same time. Mm. And that there is a certain amount of interest in connecting uh, these kinds of investigations with the way that logic was practiced in Hindu and Buddhist circles and perhaps still is practiced today. A couple of things. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Karnap, who, when, when you said there are questions where both true and false is the answer, I, I think of, of all those people who would try to create the perfect language so as to eliminate that possibility. Mm. In other words, if you can ask a better question, then, then, then you, can, you can essentially force there to only be a true or false. Now, I think that, that's, that, that might require or could result in the production of a, of a totalitarian state. But, uh, but I, I want to introduce, you brought up Hindu and Buddhist. Uh, I think that at least from the, the well, I can't say from the Western side, but from the other end of, of, of the spectrum, you have the, um, the Judaic and the, the Christian uh, uh, religions. And, and we can think of religions as, as social operating systems. Um, and an example of the differences, um, for instance, um, uh, Peirce, um, when, when he went from the mon um, monadic to the theatic and the polyadic logic, um, if uh, we, we can consider like the, the um, not like, but we can consider the evolution of, uh, of deity in, uh, say, the Jewish religion, where you have um, an evolution of words in use. So we go from El, this ancient deity, to Elohim, which means gods, to Eloah, which actually is interesting because it can mean uh, singular god or god as pair. Um, and then, well, the whole history uh, of, of Judaism for a good several thousands of years is the fact that even though there was a call to one God, repeatedly the people would go off and um, get entangled with these uh, various idols from various neighboring states. Or I don't know that the idea of the state was even an idea before the Greeks, but go ahead. Do you think, do you think, um, Mike, that um, monaptic, I hope I'm saying this right, because he also did this with, with Frege, is, is mon, the monad is something where if, if your question is monaptic, the answer would be either true or false. Is that, is that fair to say? Whereas the di didactic, it could, the answer could, could, depending upon perhaps another set of variables, be either true or false? 
Well, I'm not sure exactly what's meant by uh, monadic and dyadic in these settings. Uh, at the hasty glance that I took at the article, it looked to me as though uh, Peirce was trying to talk about what amounted to the difference between single variable calculus and multivariable calculus, mm -hmm. where, where you are dealing with um, functions, if you will, predicates, if you wish, that depended in the first place on some single variable or individual for their truth or falsity, and functions or predicates that might depend on many different um, variables or individuals for their truth or falsity. Uh, of course, this, from my point of view, is just the difference between working in one dimension, two dimensions, three dimensions, or more. Right. I tend to, you know, look at these things and think of them as being geometry problems. Mm -hmm. And um, um, Charles Pierce is, uh, his work is, is credited for being the basis for modern meteor uh, meteorology. So there is certainly direct application. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I do know that when you start thinking about uh, functions or predicates of several variables, then you have to begin thinking about quantification. You have to begin thinking about uh, putting information in that says, for every X, the following proposition, F that depends on X is true, or there exists an X for which this proposition F dependent on X is true, etc., etc. And those sorts of things turn out to be extremely important in mm. dealing with things like calculus and differential geometry. Mm -hmm. mm. You bring me back to my days of uh, like intro to discrete structures. Mm -hmm. mm. By the way, I remember when I was doing advanced calculus, I had done a certain amount of taking of courses involving logic and reading a little bit about logic. And I found that, that knowing a certain amount of classical logic uh, in its quantificational form was extremely helpful in straightening out and understanding what was going on in advanced calculus. Mm. Yeah, you got to focus on the, the on the um, on the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. One of my heroes, uh, well, I don't know if hero is the proper term, but one of the people who I who I study a lot, he he says, you know, I don't know, I don't have to know every computer programming language, but if you know binary really well and languages, how languages operate, then then you'll be able to pick up and do fine in just about any of them. Mm. Human languages or computer languages? 
I think he, well, since he paired it with the idea of knowing binary really well, uh, I think that answers the question. Sounds as though he had computer languages in mind. Right. That, that's uh, another point I, I forgot, I left out before because I, I was focusing on the, the Judaic example, but I, I do want to go back to, if you have more to add to the idea of the, the Hindu and the Buddhist, one of the, uh, the essentials I think we know from the New Testament is the idea of, of letting your yes, or to respond either with yes or no and not to swear. I find that an extremely wonderful sort of logic almost no stoic wouldn't be the right word but it's 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 a it's saying don't don't let the emotion get in the way i i don't know if that's even true it's just what what's the line let your yes be yes and your no be no and it's it's said after saying do not swear <laughs> don't take it <laughs> uh, yes i think i think it's it's probably an injunction not to let your feelings run away with you and to think carefully about how well-founded is the thing that you happen to be saying at any yeah. given instant. Yes. And boy, I mean, how much violence that alone would be cut out of the world. <laughs> oh. Yes, but for many people, that would be terribly unsatisfying. Oh, really? You're saying certain folks just have bloodlust? Well, uh, I think most people enjoy letting their feelings run away with them, at least to a certain extent. Ooh. Do you see that book? Uh, yes, and I'm putting, I'm moving us out. There we go, Two Views of Mind. Oh, can you read it? Uh, Abhit um, Harma and Brain Science. So what is the idea of Abhid Wow, does it come out uh, readable or do you have to? When you're not shaking the book, yes. Your fingers are in the way. <laughs> oh, because I see it as a mirror image, but you're seeing it okay? That's yes. correct. Yes. So here's, here's a, um, might, might give, a, give us a hint of what, um, Buddhist logic is kind of like okay. it says that that um, there's two uh, points, but then the Buddhist logic system adds two more points. Like so, so it's the two points that are uh, common to both logic systems is is the first two is is number one a phenomena exists. In other words, it has individual existence. And number two, the phenomena does not exist. So you could say that number one is all about something being true, and number two is about something being false. But then, it, so for, for Westerners uh, and classical logic, uh, that would be it. But then uh, from, from the Tibetan and perhaps Indian, from which it came from, the logic uh, adds two additional possibilities, and the and their philosophically important viewpoints. Number three is the phenomena both exists and does not exist. 
And number four is the phenomena neither exists nor does not exist. So it, so number three, number four, it takes number three and, and negates it. This is what I think. So, so it's expanding the ontological field. Could there be a fourth possibility? That's four already. Yeah, there was okay. two more. The, the number three is both exists and does not exist. And number four, it, it negates it. It says the phenomena neither exists nor does not exist, which sounds like the third one, but. Yeah. Right. yeah, you've got true, false, both true and false, neither true nor false. Hmm. By the way, there is a nice magazine online called Aeon, mm -hmm. which has an article in there about uh, precisely this kind of logic, uh, this paralogic. And it's written by a fellow who is a philosopher and uh, is uh, into mathematics and also has a certain amount of feel uh, for this Buddhist kind of thinking. I hope you share that link with us in, in the uh, uh, comments section to, to uh, this late afternoon uh, meetup event. Mm. Okay, I'll try to remember. So I think we've, we've explored the realms of inductive. How about the deductive aspect? Um, Well, this paralogic is developed as a deductive logic. Hmm. I wonder if I wonder if he read. No, no. I think he came a little bit after. I think Peirce predates uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Whenever I think deductive, I think of um, his uh, Sherlock Holmes stories because that's primarily what Sherlock was doing throughout all those stories was he was deducing answers. Yes, but of course, in that kind of setting, when, when he is using logic, that takes place in a matrix of a huge number of circumstances, a whole lot of facts about Victorian English life that he could draw upon mm -hmm. to justify one step after another. So it's far from, from being simply logic, which is involved there. Mm. Yeah, without being a member of that culture, it'd be, we'd, we'd be much more at a loss. Mm -hmm. So, so there's Bull's classes. And do you, do you recall Bull's classes in terms of, of what that was? Or could you give us a definition of that? Or I can look, look it up. What, paralogic? Uh, Bull's classes, because uh, uh, Peirce is, is credited as, as extending beyond that, but you have to have a, a solid basis. Have, have, we, have we been talking of 
in, in a journal sense, the, uh, and we, we, we kind of came up with a truth table there with Hiro giving the example of the four, four types, true, false, both true, both false, or true and false. Did I just do five? I'm sorry. I'm not following what you're saying. Oh, okay. Um, how, um, I, I found a, I just found an article by searching. I'm going to paste this in the, in this, in the, um, as a comment for the section. Uh, article first shared. There we go. Um, I'm wondering if we can go very far without having a solid appreciation of Boolean algebra, is what I'm saying. I mean, is there something more fundamental, like you have to really grok or have several understandings, or are we in agreement that we're all, we all have at least some idea of Boolean logic, perhaps yourself, Mike, the most? And of course, Hiram and I both have a certain degree of it because we've both written programs before. Um, but I'm I'm curious about the uh, the move from um, from the monadic to the didactic and also uh, the politic logic, polyactic. I'm, I'm polyadic. Polyadic. Thank you. Is that is that something that, um, that that you've taught, or merely something that you've studied the, the polyadic? Well, I have taught introductory logic using symbolic logic for math, for uh, math majors, but I'm certainly no expert in mathematical logic, and I've taken a, a couple of courses and done a little bit of reading. Uh, in mathematical logic. Um, the, um, the, the business about um, dealing with, with polyadic logic is there are, if you go very far into mathematics, and you start saying, I want a careful definition of things like what it means to take a limit or to be continuous, mm -hmm. then you have to start dealing with this polyadic logic, mm -hmm. at, at the very least dyadic logic. Mm -hmm. And you have to start looking at, at sentences that have the following form. For every X, there is a Y such that f of x, y is true. Or there exists an x such that for every y, f of x, y is true. And these sentences uh, turn out to be very distinct kinds of sentences. So this, you have this quantificational structure which comes in on top of the propositional calculus. If you're dealing with the propositional calculus, you're using nice, simple, fairly easy to work with operations, such as and, or, negation, material, conditional, etc. Uh, <clears throat> but um, 
when your statements P and Q turn out to be statements which depend on variables, when P becomes something like F of X1, X2, X3, X4, etc., and then you start talking about whether or not the sentence is true for all X1 or for some X1, etc., <laughs> then um, the, the order in which you start putting down your restrictions on these variables turns out to lead you often in extremely different directions. And you have to pay very careful attention to what's going on. Now, I don't know if that's really light on your question or not. If it didn't, go back and we'll hit it again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I almost feel like I would have to uh, do at least six weeks of remedial <laughs> calculus or propositional calculus and, and uh, Boolean and uh, uh, the, the various other modes of, of logic to, 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 to get into the really interesting stuff. Perhaps. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. From, from my point of view, when you're dealing with Bool, you're dealing principally with propositional calculus without too much attention paid to quantification. Okay. Okay. But when uh, you start doing things like uh, calculus, multivariable calculus, differential geometry, topology, then you have got to get into the quantifiers and you, you have got to pay very careful attention to what they are doing. They can become all important and they can, you know, just minor tweaks of them can take you to radically different statements. Yes. And we all know that inherently as Floridians because um, anyone who's ever tracked the course of a hurricane <laughs> um, I'm going to read a section uh, out of out of uh, the Wikipedia article because it's so cheap to use Wikipedia. It's just so dang easy. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a section under the Charles Sanders Pierce article, philosophy, logic, uh, as philosophical. Um, second paragraph, second sentence, it says, Pierce held that all this universe is perfused with signs if it is not composed exclusively of signs. Perfused, okay. Along with their representational and inferential relations. Uh, I'm going to just keep going and then we'll, we'll talk about, it. but please stop me at any point if, if, the, if anything I'm reading is sparking an idea or a response. He argued that since all thought takes time, all thought is in signs, in sign processes, which is what he calls semiosis, such as the inquiry process. And then... And this is nice. I'm just going to close out the paragraph. He divided logic into, and there are three parts here. One, speculative grammar or 
sketchology, sketchology on how signs can be meaningful and in relation to that, what kinds of signs there are, how they combine and how some embody or incorporate others. And I know that elsewhere I've read uh, an example of that would be uh, a symptom that a patient may be exhibiting and that that is a sign of a, uh, of, or a potential sign to indicate a disease. That'd be an example of a sign that, that could be read from, from, uh, from a person or from an environment. Um, of course, we, we, we see that when we look in the sky and the sky is brown instead of blue or has a brown tinge to it. Uh, that would be another example that, that would fall under the, the, the identification or the reading of the sign process, semiosis. Two, <laughs> logical critic or logic proper on the modes of inference. And three, speculative or universal rhetoric or methodeutic, the philosophy theory of inquiry, including pragmatism. And universal rhetoric has its own page in Wikipedia, although it's just a tiny little page with uh, of three lines that with a C also to universal pragmatics. Uh, according to Pierce, the main purpose of universal rhetoric is to consider questions of inquiry in the context of community. Ooh, I love that. I love that because it it, 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 it it rounds the circle or completes the circle there. And the very origin of the conception of reality shows that this conception ultimately involves a community without definite limits and capable of a definite increase of knowledge. Pierce alternatively called it speculative rhetoric, general rhetoric, formal rhetoric, objective logic, or uh, methodoetic constitutes the third and last branch of the general theory of science. My goodness. When you were in grade school or high school or junior high or college, was rhetoric something that you got as part of your formal education, Mike? No. We may have been required at some point to do a recitation or a speech, but that was probably as close as we got to it. Now, when I read some of the plays from the pre-Socratics, I, I forget, I remember there's one that, that was a, a debate about war and about whether or not to enter into a war. It was a, it was a famous play and I, I saw a BBC production of it, but oh my goodness, the political dialogue and, and, and so much of that kind of discussion is universal for any, any nation, but it is the highest of heights when it comes to political rhetoric something that I've never seen on C-SPAN when they're broadcasting the halls of Congress. And I got to wonder, was that the invention of just someone trying to see how good it could get? Or was that just common fare when, when people who had come back from like, um, like, like returning soldiers from the Iliad, is that simply how citizen soldiers spoke with one another? with regard to um, how to conduct affairs of state? Well, my understanding is that in classical and medieval times, 
rhetoric was considered a major department within education. It's one of the three R's. <laughs> yes. And the, and the point of rhetoric was not necessarily to discover the truth. The point of rhetoric was to persuade. Right. Okay. Um, and yeah, if you, if you look back uh, at for something like, for example, the Peloponnesian War, and you read through Thucydides. Yes, that must have been a play. Then uh, you constantly uh, find these grand assemblies of the citizens within a town, within a city, arguing about very weighty matters involving war and decisions that may involve them in destruction. And uh, they were educated that they ought to learn how to speak and how to behave and how to think about these things. Um, so the three R's in the United States are what? Reading, writing, and arithmetic? Yeah. Ignoring the fact that you have to go further into the word to, to actually reach the R. Well, I'm not sure there are three arts. I'm not sure that anybody has any idea how many there oh are. <clears throat> and probably you have as many different divisions of the arts as you have people who are interested in making a, a, a reputation for themselves as being knowledgeable about the arts. Okay, you're, you're hearing the word arts. I was saying ours as in what, uh, what may be promoted as... Uh, how, how it is, mm -hmm. the education system, um, not A-R-S or A-R-T-S, but just the letter R. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think you said that, but you're, you're advancing the idea over to the arts, uh, perhaps as a teaching means or method. But the, the, the idea of uh, rhetoric used to convince people, we, we still have that today. And I think that um, so much of it comes down to at least on one side of the aisle, it's, it's about statistics, thinking that the science of statistics will somehow allow us to um, uh, arrive at conclusions. Um, I'm not convinced of that primarily because my uh, stat, statistical methods one instructor at UCF um, told us a story about the person who, who wrote the textbook for that course. He, was, uh, he really respected the person who wrote the text until he had to be a counter witness or a counter expert in a court case in which he witnessed the man who wrote the textbook that we were using in class actually do nothing more than perform arm waving. In other words, here was the expert not even applying the science that he was supposed to be expert in and who had indeed written the book. Now, in the book itself, there was more truth than not, but when people who are paid to be the expert will disregard what they know to be the case for, for their own ends, 
because they're they're making money being a paid expert and if they wave their arms real good because they're an expert people will believe them um it, it gives you it gives you second uh, second thought or at least cause for doubt for um believing much of anything anymore i think if 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 uh, people want to say that, you know, according to the models that the world is going to end in the year 2030, you know, some people are going to go, oh, no, we, we must change our ways. And other people are going to go, well, is that really the case? Well, it sounds to me as though your expert witness was an excellent rhetorician. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> See, you, you have this mistaken belief in your in your mind that if people are be are saying something making an argument it is for the purpose of finding the truth of shedding light <laughs> but as i remarked the purpose of rhetoric and this was well understood in education in classical and medieval times is to persuade mm -hmm. But have we lost that in, in the modern and in the post, especially in the postmodern and the post-postmodern age? I mean, we're, they say that we're living in an age of post-truth, which, which... I don't, I don't think we ever had it. Okay. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Kinder. I think in rhetorics, it was well understood that what you wanted to do was not necessarily... Uh, stimulate the frontal lobes of the audience, but you wanted to reach down and grab their stomach and squeeze it. Well, I've, I've experienced the stomach squeezing. Uh, it's yes. not a pleasant feeling. If you, if you go on Fox News, mm -hmm. And then follow it by a trip to CNN. <laughs> it's quite easy to discern that in both cases, the headlines are written on both sites to uh, excite the greatest possible indignation and anger in the people who read them. Right. Yeah, no. We get the, was it the... Who is the fellow? Pull down the waffle from the fridge, son. My son wants some waffles and syrup. Um, uh, the, the guy that uh, Citizen Kane was based on, the, the newspaper man from the West Coast, who, who made Xenadu, he, he said he had, had something to say about the public and, uh, and what they felt or what, what they believed or what their opinion was. He said, don't tell me about public opinion. I'll tell the public what the, what their opinion is. <laughs> he has the power to do that. I'm going to unplug here. Let me make sure I can still hear that way when you're speaking. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. Iro, you shared a video. Did you want to share it with us so that we could watch it? Because if, if you do that, you're not going to be able to share this to YouTube if that's your intention later on. Because oh. it can get flagged.
Oh. So we got your link and we can watch it. And it could be for educational purposes. <laughs> well, uh, sort of. It, it, the fair use falls under a very strict sort of um, um, set of guides. Like if you're if you're if you're sharing the video to give a, an actual Here. point by point reasoned critique, then then that qualifies. Mm. But if you're if you're just sharing it and then going ha 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 ha, that does not qualify. Mm. How long is the clip? An hour and fifteen minutes. Well, I don't think we're going to fit that in since there's only <laughs> about 40 minutes left. But is there a specific highlight or an idea that, that uh, from having watched that video? Yeah. Let's see. I, I'm going to keep the volume up here and I'm just going to listen because I'm making my son some waffles with syrup. Is there something specific from, from the, uh, the Buddhist logic? Or have you not watched it yet? Mm, I've watched it. I'm, I'm scanning it to see what would be interesting. Hmm. It's, it's, let's see. It's, uh, by the way, I don't oh, go on. It's by uh, a, I think, if I recall, it's by a, a Japanese uh computer scientist mm -hmm. kind of guy but then maybe he he's uh, quite familiar with um, video was produced by familiar with uh, um, I would say he's, he's quite familiar with um, with uh, classical logic and that he he uh, studied some Buddhist logic to compare with, uh, with with other logics, and then he gives he's giving a presentation on it. Uh, Logic and Reasoning Institute at James Madison University. Where he got yeah. he also teaches uh, out of uh, ANU. If it's the same guy, Koji Tanaka, the other yeah, doctor. Tanaka, yes. He, he's taught, he's taught also, um, or he's associated with the Australian Research Council. He's a future fellow there, College of Arts and Sciences at the Australian National University. His areas of specialization are logic, formal, epistemology, philosophy of language, Buddhist philosophy, Chinese philosophy, and then area of competency, metaphysics. I like the guy already. Oh, also philosophy of mathematics and philosophy of artificial intelligence. Yeah, he sounds like an interesting guy. I'll, I'll have to catch this video after, after tonight. But um, I'm going to go uh, cut up these waffles with syrup. Maybe you can share something else with uh, about what you recall from the video and why you shared why, why it's um, well. Anyway, am I still here? He has. He, he's he's. Uh... He's uh, giving a long talk be uh, because he has a lot of a lot of slides to show, and that explains some points, I guess. I was uh, sliding through it to see if there was something interesting to show. You have the power to share your screen too. So, 
if you want to share your screen and then shuffle through the, through the thing to a specific slide, we can discuss something out of that. Since we've come to the, I think, to the basic conclusion already during part one of this discussion that um, that Purse's, uh, Purse's notation was sort of, um, has been superseded to, to be a bit more, um, at least easier to read. That was my impression. I could, I could try sharing to see if if you can hear it. Let's see. I'm gonna try share, share screen. Let's see. All right. No? Am I sharing? You just have to pick whether you're doing your full screen or a specific tab. Share screen. <laughs> you're screen sharing. There we are. And oh, do you see the? Do you see the person talking? We do. Did he have slides as part of this, or is it him standing there most of the time? Uh, he is talking and not talking. <laughs> so he's a politician. No, he's using uh, Buddhist logic to be able to do that at the same time. He's talking and not talking. Right, yes. With a politician, it's different. It's talking and not saying anything. Thank you for the clarification. Appreciate that. Oh, well. I, maybe there's a way to make it sound also. Make it more. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's... Oh, it, I, I keep wanting to scroll down, but then I forget that it, this is your window. I don't have... <laughs> Hoping to read the description. Maybe we can gather something from there and comment on it. Yeah. Well, I, ha I have the volume up, but. Um, Maybe No, I don't know how to. I stopped sharing. Mike is extremely patient, and I, I, I really have to throw to, to acknowledge that. Uh, Michael, because you, you seem to have the patience of a saint, at least I in my passed mind. out. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you're the one who brought up the idea of uh, of of, uh, of Hindu and, and Buddhist uh, logic, I think, in this conversation. So you, I may have interrupted you while you were bringing up that idea. No, I said all that I knew about it. That oh. took about 15 seconds. <laughs> By the way, I'll uh, at Meetup. I will post a link to the article in Aon. Thank you. There is um, 
you know, we're all familiar with binary computers. Have you, has anyone here studied the, uh, the trinary computers? Ah, that's what we need. We need trinary logic. Well, the, they're actually, they're, they're, it's called ternary logic. Oh. Ternary. Ternary would be ternary. Thank you. I, I probably said it, you know. I got to again bow to, to, to Michael here. It, when they compared the different, uh, the different, what, what do you call them? Aries, the different, what are they using? Uh, the different sets like uh, binary uh, uses uh, a set of two, two variables. Zero and one. And trinary uses three. Yes, right. zero, one, and two. Zero, one, and two. And, and the, uh, what, what's the next one that's... Uh, Ternary. Uh, that's being used. Um, that well, the one other that is uh, most uh, often used is, is base eight. Base eight oh. octal system? Mm. What was that? Say yeah. that again. Then hexadecimal system? Oh, hold on, hold on. Uh, you said the one that was most often used, Michael, and I didn't catch the word? Base eight, octal. Oh, right. Well, um, it's basically binary, but just uh, uh, clumped together, I guess. Well, you, you got to think in terms of circuit design. Um, oh, yeah. Like, you have bytes, you have trites. So a trite yeah. is one base three digits. Okay. And so when you're thinking of your AND gate or your OR gate, you got to put in at least an additional line in that, in, in the circuit. Or an additional state. So it'd be hard to make a, uh, a circuit out of uh, eight or 16 states. When you, you have binary and, and it's kind of like the, sim well, the simplest, uh, or a common denominator of, of a hexadecimal. So hexadecimal is, is just a way of counting. Binary. Binary. Right. But, but then, to, what's the other one? Ter, ter, ternary? That's right. different states. So this is, this is interesting. Okay. I'm going to read a bit out of uh, uh, the Technopedia. I read somewhere that, that ternary is, is more efficient energy-wise. Yes, it is extremely more efficient, especially if you have built a ternary architecture. Because there, 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 you can you can simulate a ternary computer on a binary system, but if you build turn and the Soviets did build a a, a, a ternary system, uh, and they they were running it back in the seventies or sixties and seventies at least. I don't know if they shut it down in the early eighties or what. Uh, you can research that on your own. But uh, ternary digits themselves can be defined in different ways. And according to someone named Conley, there's five ways to do it. There is unbalanced trinary, zero, one, and two, fractional uh, unbalanced trinary, zero, one, half, and one, balanced trinary, neg uh, minus one, zero, and one, unknown state logic, which is uh, false, question mark and true, or trinary coded binary, which is true, false, true. <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, apparently it's, it's still relatively unexplored territory, but uh, um, 
you know, maybe uh, it looks like there's some people who've given talks yeah, on, yeah. on the idea of building them. Setun, S-E-T-U-N, was the, uh, was the um, computer that was built in, the Ru in Russia in the mid 20th century by a fellow by the name of Nikolai Petrovich Brusintsov, uh, who lived up until about six years ago. He was born in 25. Uh, Moscow State University, which is still, by the way, Moscow State University tends to have, they, they tend to, to score number one, their, their programming team in the international programming competition. Yes, and they all are offered good jobs at the troll factory. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be horrible if, if we're all fighting each other because uh, a set of nerds is tucked away in, in uh, well, actually, they'd, they'd probably be fairly well-paid nerds in, in Russia, have just figured out how to manipulate the, the societal structure by way of something like Facebook and uh, other fifth, fifth estate domains, you know, by way of memes and uh, slightly modified news articles. I guess that's, that's, that's a problem for the CIA. No, it probably indicates that we ought to start studying rhetoric again, uh -huh. but not so much because we want to practice it, but because we want to notice when it is aimed at us. Certainly. Yeah, I, I sense that too, that, uh, that we're all gonna have to become a lot more aware of manipulative devices. And I, I think I, I feel privileged because even going back to middle school, we were taught in our textbooks to identify the various forms of uh, marketing so as to, to know when you're being marketed to in order to buy something. There's bandwagon, there's this type, there's that type. There's these half a different dozen ways that an idea can be marketed to a, to a, a consumer. That's that in and of itself is an interesting evolution. I don't know if it's on this topic at all, but the idea that we go from citizens to taxpayers, from taxpayers to consumers, and then uh, if you've ever watched um, um, Lucas, George Lucas's uh, movie THX eleven thirty eight, there's that wonderful line for. Um, I gotta say it exactly right, otherwise it won't have the same effect. Mickey <sighs> quote, it's one of my favorite places in the world. For your enjoyment and greater efficiency, consumption has been standardized. Do you think that uh, things are simpler or more complex now as compared to last year or five years ago? I have the feeling 
that there are a lot more little details in life that I have to pay attention to than used to be the case. What do you think, Cairo? Is, is life today simpler or easier to understand? Or is it harder? Or is life more complex and harder to understand? And let's apply the four, four or five different ways in which to, to run through that question, run that question through uh, that, that, that we've picked up on through the course of this conversation compared to a year ago and compared to five years ago. <laughs> I think you're still shuttling through the video. Is, is life easier or harder to understand compared to a year ago or compared to five years ago? Yes. Oh. Can I use Buddhist logic? <laughs> so if I use Buddhist logic, the answer is no, it's neither easier nor more difficult, but both. <laughs> okay, well then in what ways is it easier and what way is it more complex? Yes. Or harder. It, it's not any more difficult. Either one is neither any more difficult than the other one because the difficulty is, is depends on the person. So one person might see uh, it more difficult now than a year ago or five years ago, but another person might find it easier now than a year ago or five years ago. So it's dependent on each individual mind. All right. So, so it's not the environment necessarily it's not the world but but the individual viewing the world that that gets to make that determination or it, it's not even gets to it's 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 a function of the 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 observer not the environment no wrong okay good <laughs> tell me how because the environment has a big influence and also, it's not the individual, it's collectively. Because through mainstream media, we could be brainwashed into thinking that things are getting worse for political reasons to overthrow the in incumbent president and his administration. So the, so the trend is to make it appear to everyone that it's getting worse and so we have to get rid of this guy. But that's true. <laughs> All right. I've got a response to that, but I want to give Mike an opportunity if, if, he, if he has any thoughts or that it's inspired anything for him. Well, all I can say is I have the impression that as time goes by, uh, big business uh, finds ways to use technology to, uh, in some sense, try to intrude ever more into my life 
with all sorts of opportunities that I don't want. My response is that And this, this probably is best described in Eric Weinstein's uh, inclusion of the idea of, what is it called, KFAB? No. How is it pronounced? KFABE. KFABE, thank you. KFABE is something that, they, that the uh, professional wrestling, it's a, it's a term out of prof uh, a world wrestling entertainment, okay? Um, in the early 20th century, when people went to wrestling matches, they were actually wrestling. No, they weren't. They thought they were. Well, they thought Get that... It straight. Okay, so... If it, you it, want to bring it up, at least do it correctly. It, it, it's, a, it's an issue of perspective. No, it's not. Okay. God, don't bring up stuff you know nothing about. I'm not the expert in wrestling. My wife is, and she's, she's going to slap me down every time I get the littlest detail wrong here. Kayfabe is the idea of of wrestling having as a sport, as a spectator sport, having failed because people would get like seriously injured for life or die in the real thing. So, and then the matches would last so long then they weren't as exciting as they could be. So what the industry, the entertainment industry did was they, they, they replaced something that was basically a failed system with a much more successful one that was based upon fabrication. Acting. Acting, in other words. So you incorporate acting into the process. And that's why it's called World Wrestling Entertainment. Which is why it's called World Wrestling Entertainment. So, oh, that's brilliant. We could apply that to politics. We well, do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> presidents that are acting like they're president, but they're not. Okay, the right. Trump why President Trump won, because they knew he had some acting skills. That's right. Yeah, that's that's what made him such a great candidate for for this period in time. Because what we have already before the introduction of, of Trump was a failed system. Without okay, go ahead, Hiro. And the way to get people to vote is to make him look like he's evil, like he's a what is it, existential what what the threat threat. Feed me, please, Hubby. He's done a great job at, at both uniting and dividing. Which actually feeds into the system that was established by the Federalists, going all the way back to the establishment of the Constitution. The mainstream media is in on it because they want to make sure that the divide is just, just at... Okay, you'll be right back. Divide. Divide is 50 50 divide. Well, yeah. Make it over like 80, 80 right. 20. Well, well the, the, the data. Landslide win. So they want to make each election to be close. Like last one was real close. Well, yeah. Real close every time. Mike, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but actually, there's a simple way to explain it. Hiro, you should already be familiar with this. The, the voting systems in America, actually the tabulation systems, store votes as, as currency, not up. as integers. 
but the display of those systems only displays the integer portion. You can make every election be a very close 50-50 race and, and stick your thumb on I, whoever the candidate you want to be in place. But we also have a system of tweetism, meaning that before the, before the primary elections, there is, there's the money election, which means that the rich always get to pick whoever the candidates are in the first place. We shut up, would you? So it's all rigged. <clears throat> Trump, even Trump mentioned it. He, when he's talking about Bernie Sanders, he said, that Bernie, that crazy Bernie. Yes. But then he said, well, he, it's all rigged anyway. He's, he's not going to win. It's all rigged. It's rigged against him. <laughs> Well, there is always this attempt to rig things, yes. <laughs> right, so going back to... Wow, that strengthens your back. I would think... Uh, I would think... Uh, Rami, what would you like to eat? Hmm. Um, what do you have? Okay, go drive into the kitchen. Take a look. Um, right, so Eric Weinstein, or when, uh, he, he, um, he mentioned that if you really want to understand the world today, understand that idea of kayfabe in that um, there are folks looking to make Success Baby girl, what have you eaten through today? a fake system. Baby girl. Because the actual system was complex and Baby kind girl. of dreary and kind of a failure. And that more than anything Baby else helps you understand or at least gives you a, a clue into the base of the environment that we're living in. But I have my own idea too, somewhere along the way there. But I forgot it. And that's my own fault because there's the risk that when you work so hard to remember someone else's, you can lose your own. But it'll come eventually again. Well, the system is indeed a failure, but there are a number of people with tremendous resources who are very much invested in the present system and will use those resources to keep it going as long as they can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the guy who came up with supply-side economics, what's most usually derogatorily described as trickle-down economics, which is what it, it's been the solution that that's been in place for coming up. Okay, I now know what I want. Close to a score of years now. Yes, what would you like to? Hi, I'm hungry. What would you like to eat? I want a salad. Okay. And tortillas with some barking hummus. Okay, I'll make go all that. that. Okay, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna go make that. Um, oh, oh, Alex, the space ace is. Oh.
Oh, I didn't see that. I hope you weren't waiting too long. Oh, she, she pops. Yay. Oh, Alex, the space ace. I hope you weren't waiting too long. I just noticed that you were waiting. Did you wait too long, Alex? She expired. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't do anything. Try <laughs> again. Oh, Alex, the space ace. How are you? I am hanging in there. How are y'all doing? Oh. In there. Yes, huh? I, I am too. Yes, I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. Make sure you make it correct. You know where my range burritos went? No. Don't worry. Don't worry. Things are only going to get worse. <laughs> no, I just got them yesterday. Oh, you did? Yesterday. No, they could get better. Well, it depends on how you view things. And they will get better a little bit occasionally to tantalize us. <laughs> yes. It's, it's what uh, Rami says uh, is the don't forget the major. What the what the wrestlers used to make uh, to make uh, wrestling more exciting is all acting. What's that called? Furfay? Kayfabe. Kayfabe. Want to explain it, Stacy? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell kayfabe? K F K A Y. K A Y. Is that right? F-A-B-E. And I'll post a link. These aren't tomatoes. These are strawberries. You want tomatoes? You want strawberries? Yeah, Sorry, I'm, I'm just making a, a salad and some chips and some hummus dip. I'm not wife. making the hummus dip. I'm just presenting it to her. He has a wife who's hungry. K-A-Y-F-A-D-E. Sounds right. Looks like I'm not going to say what that looks like. <laughs> I got Kanye West shade. Don't mm. forget tomatoes. You ever want to see something hilarious? Watch the video of um, when Trump hosted Kanye in the Oval Office. Can you? And Kanye is just going on and on. Watch Trump's face. It's hilarious. <laughs> Can you make food instead of laughing your face? Yes, dear. I did not hear most of that sentence. You don't want to. <laughs> okay. Kanye West and Trump. Hmm? Kanye West on Donald Trump. Was that on Jimmy Kimmel Live? No, no it's uh, see if you can get a clip of the. Uh, really? um... Kanye was off his meds and yeah. Trump is. On the wrong meg, so it did not go well. Finish. Speechless. Okay. I think we're getting off topic. Of course. Say the least. of course you are. You're the king of off topic. <laughs> you get distracted by fleas. No, this around, so there's theories that there's infinite amounts of you. Ow.
I just watch, watch, zoom in on the Trump's universe and this alternate universe. So it's very important for me to get Hoover out because in an alternate universe, I am him. And I have to go and get him free because he was doing positive inside of Chicago, just like how I'm moving back to Chicago. Which one? The delicious Chicago and it's not just about, you know, do illegal things to about racial tension. And we also, as black people, we have to take a responsibility for what we're doing. Is that, is that the video? Um, they hit him with six life sentences. So I believe he's again. You're so respected. And what Kanye is doing has been incredible. All over the world, they're talking about this. And I have to tell you, I had important meetings today with senators and with everything. Nobody cared. They wanted this meeting. This is the meeting. Is that right? I can say that to John. Uh, no, the others were good, right? But this is what they want. Fisher Ranch, these? Oh, yeah, those. I'll bring them to you in a bowl. Thank you. I didn't know if they were coming yesterday or tomorrow. I have issues, okay? I have. Mm. Uh, fix something. I don't know if that, that showed the exact clip that I was thinking of. Anyway, perhaps that, that relates because only the idea of the signs involved. If you really want to know Trump in terms of his skill set, watch his speech they gave at St. Anselm College the night of uh, the Pulse shooting. When the Orlando Pulse shooting happened, what was it, June 16? Yeah. Uh, that evening, Trump gave a speech at, at Anselm College. Watch the entire thing in its entire, uh, well, watch, watch the whole thing in its entirety because you'll see that in it, and it's this like word soup. Uh, linguists will probably be studying this thing for decades. But he he hits and actually gives uh, cognizant sound bites throughout his word soup that touches every aspect of the political spectrum. So that if CNN wants to wants to use a clip that'll be in his favor, that'll appeal to its audience. It's in that speech. And if Fox wants to use a clip that's um, that, that that would appeal to its audience, then it's in that speech. You'll see the entire spectrum of every sort of um, answer given all in one speech. Please I'm go ahead, Alex. Over to uh, the Stoic meetup. I'll probably see some of y'all there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll see you in a few minutes. Okay. Oh, <sighs> oh my God, that's good. My wife likes her black bean hummus. Well, I think we, we've. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my wife wanted me to show him. Her. 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 Anyway, um, well, we've kind of meandered around a bit. <laughs> um, what are some takeaways from. This this evening's discussion. Fried onions. Fried onions. Okay. There, there, there's there's something to take away, and there's nothing to take away, and that there's neither something nor nothing to take away. 
All right, that, that establishes some structures in the mind. Uh, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a tertiary or mental landscape of possibilities. It's, it's, now you gave us three examples. There are two more. Oh, let's see. One, there's something to take away. Two, there's nothing to take away. Three, there's something and nothing to take away. And four, there's neither something nor nothing to take away. There they are. They're complete. The Buddhist. How about, how, how about unknown state logic? Let's say in the in the tertiary item or area. Let's say for every statement, we could say that that statement is probably true or probably false or based upon the amount of information that we have access to must be, if we're being honest, considered an unknown in terms of there, there isn't enough data that we necessarily would have. Others may, but for us, we're just in the dark. If we're honest, we have to, we have to, we have to reflect that fact. How, how do we treat that? Is that like uh, we treat that as the state of fuzziness? Well, I, I only use fuzziness because we're we're going off of. Like, you know, life isn't a, it isn't a digital system and we are not logic processors. We are story processors. So we, we can't say that the answer is either zero or one, nor can we necessarily say that it's true or false. And, and it's possible that we can, our, our true or false could be the result of some form of manipulation not connected with, 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 a, with a true or absolute truth, if, if such a thing are, is possible given a certain domain. And in many domains, there is not a, a true or, or false answer. It's just a subjective. There's, there's very little that is actually objective about the world. Oh, I got is it. Is that absolutely true? Is that absolutely true? It depends upon, as Hiro said earlier, the person, the individual. This is the part I wish that, that, that Alex the Space Haste had stayed here for. But uh, hopefully, Hiro, you'll make this recording available via uh, YouTube or some oh other outlet. Ah, Bobby. I got it. Mm, come here. What we need. Oh. What? We need is the state of the the God bit. The God, the God bit. So there's there's the state of zero and the state of one, and then the state of two is the God bit, the God state. That's where we, that's where we throw all the unknowns all the mystery, all the things that, that, why did this happen? And then we can blame it all on God. Well, I understand, I think I understand where that comes from. At the same time, 
you have to loop in the check to see whether or not this was God's doing or whether this was just man's doing that led to this result of mystery. Oh, then we add the fourth bit. It was the devil that made me do it. So we need that. Okay, so that, that goes back to the idea of Eloah. So God as one or pair as duality. This, there, there's probably somewhere in, in, in Hebrew, um, what's that, that thing called? Um, we, we discussed it during our, our meetup on belief when we were out at the concrete circle in my backyard, Hiro. Mm. The, the idea of, uh, th there's a word for that, that system. I was introduced to it through Eli Wiesel's uh, novel, Night. Because in the beginning of the book, he just starts studying it. Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Thank you, Mike. You've studied that a little bit? Oh, I read a little bit about it. Right, yeah. Same here. So there, there's the idea of, um, you know, Jesus said to, to some, of the, uh, some of his fellow countrymen that, that your, your own ancestors considered themselves or, or would call themselves gods. So, I, you know, I don't want this suddenly to sound like it were anti-Semitic because that's not my intent in any way. There is the idea, though, that, uh, and, and you'll find it to various degrees throughout Jewish identity, at least, the idea that you are supposed to be politically engaged. So in the um, Reformed Judaism, it's up to man. Whatever, whatever our acts are within the political sphere are what determines the outcome. And in the conservative Judaism, well, in the Orthodox, um, it is the idea that it's up to God what the outcomes will be. And in the conservative Judaism, it's the idea of, well, it's some of column A and some of column B. So that's why I say you have to run that check to see, is this, is this the creator? And if it is the creator, is it, is it the creator in terms of like Baruch Spinoza's pantheism? Pantheistic monism definition of creator? Or is it the, um, the L or is it the Elohim, which are the idea of gods, like, like a tribe or a, uh, a set? Is it the Eloah, the uh, God, either in singular or in, in a plural form? Um, or is it like the, the, the Deuteronomy concept of God, which is, oh, here, O Israel, God is one. Mm. So, oh, so yes. if you want to be political, you were saying that, that uh, there's two factions in Judaism. One is, oh. I'm not sure which one you said, which, which one was which? But well, uh, Interform, go on. Or versus the traditional? Interform Judaism, the, the, the belief is that it is up to man's acting in the world. And that action is primarily what leads to outcomes. That's Reform Judaism. And in, in, in the Orthodox forms of Judaism, this is all roughly speaking, 
the 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 outcome of any situation is up to um, up to y h w h. So the 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 object of worship, in other words, is 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 who ultimately determines the outcome. In, in all these systems, it's the question isn't whether or not God exists, but what is the nature of God, which could be a whole other topic for a whole other time. It is now 7.02, so I'm going to pop out and head over to Stoic Dan's uh, Learning Stoic Philosophy uh, from Epictetus, Part 6. You need some black beans for my hubby. Thank you, Wayne. I may join you then. <laughs> Mike? Good seeing you. Thank you very much for Mike, your time. Mike, we'll see Mike in, in Dan Stoic's meet, meeting. Maybe. Or maybe he has to eat. Some of these meetings I may materialize. Mm. When tomorrow I get night, the webcam. I, I should give a little announcement about tomorrow night. We're doing part three of uh, Adam Curtis's hypernormalization. What we're doing in those is we're watching 25 minutes of his 158-minute uh, documentary. It was probably done over a series of, of uh, evenings, and it was originally aired three weeks before the 2016 election. So uh, that his he, he's a real auteur when it comes to the audiovisual, and he's he's been working for the BBC and had access to all their film vault, um, film and video vaults for like 30, 40 years. And, uh, we even share a birthday. He's 22 years my senior, which means he just turned 65 last month. Um, and he's the guy's won BAFTA, British uh, Arts and Film Television Award. He's a the Check us out Saturday if you just want to have a watch something for 25 minutes and then talk about how that might apply him, and whatever else is on your a, mind. Give him a smile. That'll be tomorrow from 7 p.m. to 9. And for the following weeks, because it'll probably take 10 weeks altogether. And tomorrow is the, the third. Where's that? So they can smile. Is that on the Central Florida Meetup webpage? Uh, Central Florida Philosophy Meetup. Yep. Okay. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night, Mike. Good night, Rami. Good night, Hiro.